Hey everyone, and welcome back to Tales of Esperan. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's focused on telling fun, character-driven stories. Now, what does that mean? Well, to keep it simple, we sit down at our desks, log in online, and pretend to be someone we're not for a little while, all the while recording it to share with you. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. Follow along as our players pretend to be small-town adventurers, doing their best to put some good into the world. And my favorite part about all this is that we have no idea what will happen next. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with. Oh, who am I kidding? It's Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Now, we loosely rely on this system to tell our own stories, independent of the lore and problematic content that comes out of the box with Dungeons & Dragons, especially in its own world lore. In short, this just means that we use the game system and some dice to decide what happens next to our characters, not some story or some world that someone else has written for us. I wonder what'll happen this week. Roll high? Maybe you persuade your companions that you feel like you're about to do the right thing. Roll low? Maybe you end up facing oblivion, alone. Let's roll the dice and find out what happens next, together. Um, I think this is a cool little spot to fade away. Um, we pull back as all of you are kind of discussing and maybe helping Alea figure out maybe a key behind why she has been so not good at taking care of plants, at least the plants that you have encountered. So our view pans away from them kind of going back and forth and helping Alea discover something new, or, new about herself that she didn't quite wrestle with. And we settle on Thurbash, Tedward, and Rose who are kind of sitting around the fire. Um, Rose is kind of cuddled up now in a, a sleeping, like a bedroll. Um, she has a pillow on the ground and she's just kind of laying there watching the flames dance. What are you doing, Thurbash? I want to look at Rose first mm -hmm. and kind of get a sense of where her attention is. It's on the fire. Okay, so she's like really focused on the fire, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit next to, to Tedward and I'm going to attempt to cast as sneakily as possible <laughs> with sleight of hand or what have you uh suggestion on the unconscious tedward okay um roll me a stealth check all right here we go that is an 11 it's not great <laughs> as you begin to cast the spell rose you hear her get up and it stops you in the casting and she goes thurbash what are you doing? I just need to know what he knows. I'm not going to harm him. That does not matter. He's unconscious. I don't know where you're from, but if someone cast a spell on you long if better question, you seem to have a bit of a distrust towards Eliel. If she cast a spell on you while you're while you were unconscious, how would you feel about that? It's a complication. 
What if she did it to take information from you? It's a complication. Rose, you understand, I'm not trying to do this to harm the group. I'm not trying to harm him. I, I have no ill will to anyone. That does not matter. This is more of an issue of, if he knows what I think he does, depending on how other parties act, we could be in danger. By who? And don't you dare for one second tell me that I can't know. Because if that sentence even comes out of your mouth, I will knock you out before you even get a chance to, to do anything to the, our friend, which you are now suddenly suspicious of over what may or may not have happened in that cabin. Oh no, I am more than suspicious of that one one movement. This man has personally attacked me on multiple occasions, but I've put it aside and I understand that he is a violent and impulsive, erratic yeah. and impulsive person. So I put it, I let it lay low, just like I am quick to be nervous and make poor decisions. We're all people in this regard. The problem is, if he knows too much information, I don't know what other parties will do to make sure that that doesn't get out. I was told- What other parties? <sighs> They're about just gonna take a second. Fine. You have a right to know. You've accepted me into the Hunter's Guild, or at least for right now, and it would only be fair that you know all the circumstances before I join up. Thurbash is going to stand, take a step away from Tedward, and he's going to put his pack on the ground, and then he's going to take off his oversmock and begin to unbutton the shirt underneath. And then eventually, if she doesn't stop him, he will... He'll reveal the left side of his abdomen, which by now is probably the size of, like, two fists of a large, like, tangled burl of wood that is slowly growing in his side. The skin around it doesn't look very healthy. It doesn't look infected, but to say it looks, like, gray and malnourished while the wood itself looks, like, vibrant and lush, now, I go ahead. My colony, we worship someone who is very powerful, and he has only the best intentions, but he is not very trusting. He's very closely guarded with his secrets. He, it's, it's due to past relationships. He, he understands that allowing people to know everything is, is not a good idea. I, that's also another reason why I don't particularly trust Eliel. I'm getting off track. I was a normal person. I tended to the trees in our area. I made sure that our family had enough food to eat. I attempted to learn how to hunt. It wasn't until I met him that I was able to do what I'm able to do now. But in order to become able to do that. I needed to make a choice. I needed to present something to him of worth. These are only side effects of that. The problem is, is I don't know if he wants others to know about it. And I don't know what he's going to do to make sure that that information doesn't get out. 
I have a question. Go ahead. What did you give up? Well, in order to appease him, he asked me to excise flesh. To show my loyalty, I gave him blood, and I gave him a part of my own being. She looks down at the wound. You forged a blood pact. In not so many words, yes. I, I had to do it. It, 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 it. If there was any other option, I would have taken it. But you, you don't understand. My family's on the verge of collapse. Even those that are strong enough to pick others around them, they, they grow so weak. They're taking care of 12, 13 other people and themselves at the same time. If I don't do something, they will all die. And if I don't, if I don't help them, or I help him, he'll ignore us again. He'll leave. I have a thought, if you'll entertain it for a moment. Okay. I met you in that clearing where the four of you folk failed a diseased infant dragon. Upon its body were scars of crystal, which were eating it from the inside out. Now, I don't know what that creature served, but it was selfish, clearly. I assume that infection, whatever it was, reminds me a little bit of what you're showing me right now. You were, you made a blood pact with something, your god or whatever kind of being it is. You gave it a piece of you and it looks uh, maybe jumping through to conclusions here, but it looks like it gave you a piece of it. In my experience, people who are secretive and mistrust mistrusted and don't tell everyone what they need what they need to know, what they deserve to know, end up pushing everyone away into collapse. And then they're left alone. Tell me, your community. Why is it falling apart? Are there invaders hurting your people? Is there a disease sweeping through the, the place you call home? There are a lot of reasons, Rose. Has anyone moved away? There are, there are strange circumstances happening in the wood, and even worse, our, our family's growing old. Old age? I, I don't think we can keep up. A long time ago, there was a large group. We, we were hundreds of thousands of people all celebrating. People grew to distrust. And they left and never came back. Only those that truly believe remain now. But the problem is, is that they are growing too old. We haven't brought in new people in such a long time. I don't mean to be mistrusting. I don't mean to be secretive, but I'm not the only one. Oh, I understand that. My, my point being, when I first met all of you, you were friendly with each other, joking, laughing about. And now you have tied up your friend, your compatriot, a person who has saved your life on at least one occasion. And you're cast, trying to cast foul magics on him. There's a certain part of me that is starting to wonder. And you can see that What's your passive perception? Uh, passive perception is 11. 
You can see that her hand is kind of resting comfortably on the, the head of her hammer. And you can see her knuckles tense a little bit. There's a tiny part of me who is seeing a lot of that twisted, awful, evil, selfish dragon in you right now. How do you know that the mistrust and the thoughts that you're feeling towards your good, your ally are actually yours? How do you know they're not coming from that thing embedded in you, whatever that hell that is? He hasn't misled me. You're blindly serving something that won't tell anyone anything and doesn't trust anyone. And the only reason you trust it is because it seems to be the only thing you've known. What do you do if that thing finally says that it's done with you and it doesn't need you anymore? I will pick up the pieces and I will keep moving. My point is, what if that thing consumes you? Has it gotten bigger? Did it look like that when you first got it? No. No, it hasn't gotten bigger or? It hasn't looked this way before. It's getting worse. I would have moved on by myself if I thought I could handle it. The situation you're describing is exactly the worst case scenario. I trust my God well too much. And I think I know that. I'm just, <laughs> just going to put this out there. Maybe try trusting somebody else. That's that's exactly what I'm trying to do, Rose. By joining mm -mm, your mm -mm, community. Mm -mm, don't start that. Trust is not tying up someone when they're unconscious and squeezing information out of them when you can't even talk to them. Trust is listening to people. Trust is talking to someone on even ground and trusting that they hold you to the same standard that you wish to hold them. What you're doing right now is not trust, it's peace of mind. I don't know where you come from necessarily, but is trust tying up someone you know and squeezing information out of them when they can't say anything about it? Hell, how do you know that if you try to cast a spell on him, that book won't rebound and do the same thing to you that it did to Tedward? That's a possibility. Hell, how do you even know? There's so many things you aren't considering. You're right. Did ever think that if you might trust Tedward and he know he knew about this secret that you just woefully shared with me, that he might be able to help? Tedward is an interesting fellow. He is very perplexing, and he has taught me a lot about the world. And if I were ever in need of someone to put me down, I know that Tedward could do it. I want to cast a spell on him, not for my own peace of mind, necessarily alone, but for the group's peace of mind. Mm-mm, mm-mm. If I You're know- making excuses if I know, again. I am not making excuses. No, because- if I know what listen, he knows- Listen, hey, you see her, her, her grip tense up on the hammer. It is for peace of mind, because you have a secret that you don't want someone else to know. You only shared it with me because I was a threat to you. And if it were for peace of mind of the group, then she looks towards the cabin. The rest of the group would already know about your secret. I find it very funny that you were so keen about taking charge and asking for a vote on playing a silly little game with a woman that so far has done nothing to harm us. 
Meanwhile, you're out here slinking around behind everyone's back, doing the opposite of trust. Rose, before you met me, before you met any of us, you ran into us. We were fighting that dragon, right? You had just finished up. I went down to the base of that tree and via my God's own will, he helped me remember something, a purification spell. Okay. Something that we wouldn't have been able to do if he didn't recall that memory. And I admit, it is a learned behavior to trust him. But I don't think that anyone who is truly evil would have allowed me to just walk out of there. He brought that memory to my attention on purpose. I don't know the ends of his means. Then you can't say that he is truly good or evil when you know nothing about it. I know that he's not corrupting. <laughs> my lord, my lord's child, you are a fool. Look at your body. Does your flesh look healthy? I'm more than willing to sacrifice myself to no, ensure the safety of No, that's not my about sacrifice. You're throwing yourself, you're pretending to be a martyr for a creature that from all likelihood, from my outside perspective, looks like it is abusing you and using it to extend its own means. You've shown that you're caring. You have shown that you can be kind. What you're doing right now isn't you. It's what this, what you think this thing wants of you. And everything that you think you should be doing, by all means, is morally wrong. And I'm going to warn you right now, because this is getting cyclical. I'm going to stay awake all night. And if I see you make a move towards any of your friends, I will knock you out and tie you up. Because you know what happens to people who do things like that? To friends? To good people? Do they have prisons where you come from? No. Do they have courts? Laws? We have executions. I will tell you an execution is a lot faster and much less painful than living your life in imprisonment for imposing your will on others when it shouldn't. Keep those words in mind, Thurbash. I'm gonna get some rest, but if you make a move, you're done. I don't want you traveling with this group anymore. So consider that. If Eliel was doing exactly what you were doing right now, would you consider her evil? And Rose sits down, pulls over her bedroll, and kind of lays on her back. What does Thurbash do? Looking something up. Ooh. Thurbash is going to cast Hold Person. On her? Yep. I think um, her back is turned. It is a wisdom saving throw. Um, what is her wisdom save? Thurbash is going to cast Hold Person at third level. Okay. Oh, so multiple people? He's going to cast it on her and on um, Tedward, just in case. Okay. The spell save she has to beat is a... It's a 14. Okay, I'm going to roll. Let me get my fancy dice. This just got tense. Thurbash took a turn really quickly. Rolling my big heavy metal dust. You ready? Yeah, here we go. Let's see what we get. What is your spell save DC? 
14. I'm going to take a picture of this because this is a tense moment. Oh, no. <laughs> I got a 17. Without assuming that the spell has worked, he's going to, so he's going to cast it. What are the, the the components for that? Is it like material, somatic, verbal? Uh, it's VSM. Yeah. Okay, so you will have to say something vocally. Yes. Um, and with that, Rose quickly rolls over. What's your AC? AC is 12. Um, so she, she whips her hammer at you, which you expected. You duck. It sails past you. And as you're assessing the situation, she has a, a look of fury on her face. Do you, do, you, do you say anything right now? I wanted to keep you still to make this easier, but... As you're saying that from behind, on the, as the second attack comes back on the crosshead. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a good place to cut this episode. Oh no, there was, one more, there was one more thing I wanted to do. Well, because at this thing. point, they would the, everyone inside would hear that. If you if you give me one minute, I, I'm gonna make it worth your while. It'll it'll be put in a it's a weird, interesting cliffhanger for the okay, show. Okay, you take you take five bludgeoning damage as it hits you in the back of the head. All right, and then sails quickly into Rose's hand. Ow! She's your last warning, third bash. As I was saying, I wanted to make this easier by making you still, but we can't see eye to eye, Rose. I know you think I'm being corrupted, but in my heart of hearts, I know that I'm right. And you're right. I can't travel with you anymore. I'm going to cast Blink. Oh, shit. Is Thurpash about to become a villain? Holy shit. I'm casting Blink. And let's see. So I have to roll a d20 and roll an 11 or higher. Oh, to see if you vanish to another plane? Ooh. Yeah. Right? Because it's, yeah, I, it doesn't only happens if I roll it correctly. Please. I did not yes. expect this to go here, and I love it. Fuck yes. What Fuck happens? Yes. Okay, I rolled a 15. So what does that mean? <laughs> so so he finishes his sentence, he casts Blink, and you just, you watch as um, his figure just goes and disappears, a small cloud of dust appearing at the base where his feet used to be. Oh. Thurbash, now in the ethereal plane, takes one hard look at Rose, who can't see him, and starts walking away. Uh, which direction do you go? Thurbash is going to walk in the direction of the river, because he knows that that will eventually lead to the Ashmore Mountains. Holy shit. Thurbash is jumping out. Um, okay, so I think I think I have an idea. Right now, roll me a survival check. All right, one second. We cut in as Thurbash reappears. Um, how far? So Blink lasts. Um, oh, dude, you're only thirty feet from her. No, 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 you can walk on the ethereal plane and then from the ethereal plane choose a spot within ten feet. So, so sixty feet essentially would be a run 60 feet yeah a 60 foot run and then 10 feet beyond that yeah so you'd be about 70 feet away i think we can keep going here if you'd like okay yeah um oh okay so you pop out in the forest which direction did you go from where you were so i would have gone following the river so it would be what north no southeast 
Yeah, from where you are. Well, no, it'd be northeast from where you are. Northeast where I'm at, okay. So you just make your way into the woods, northeast. You pop out about 70 feet away. With your devil's sight, you can still see the light of the campfire, and you can still still see Rose looking around, and you hear her yell out. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to blink again back into the ethereal plane, or attempt to blink again. Yeah, roll. That is not going to blink me. So okay. I will f- fail to blink, and after failing to blink, I'll just put my my bag like firmly on my back and begin running in the direction of the Ashmore Mountains as far as I know where they are. Okay. While you're running, roll me a survival check. Alright, I'll roll a survival check. Oh, that's a seven. It's a four plus three. Damn it. Um, you run for a while. You're just running. The, the brush is thick. The forest is dark at night. You can see well, but it's all in shades of black and white. You can see the spider webs above your head and you run. And at some point you're making your way through the woods and you almost, you you kind of step into a small clearing, maybe 10 feet across. And directly across from you is that deer again. And it, you're just standing there staring at it. What do you do? I'm going to uh, pull my weapon out my like packed weapon. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about it and turn it into the moon touch rapier, and just try and calmly walk past the deer without like in- engaging it, but keeping my eyes on it as I walk past. As you you take out the rapier and create a light that kind of looms over this place, and you walk closer to it, and as you walk by, it looks looks you over. And even though its eyes are milky, you can see that it's scanning you up and down just through the motion of maybe it's the way the light is reflecting off of its eyes. Its eyes glaze over your torso and it lingers for a moment, a moment that you didn't expect. This deer lowers its head and charges right at you. Hey folks, and welcome to the mid-roll. So, housekeeping. I know this episode is a long one, so this will be short and sweet. If you'd like to support the show, follow us on Twitter at Tales of Asperon. Check out our Redbubble and buy some merch, or leave us a review on Podchaser. Links for all that jazz is going to be in the episode description. This week, our cross-promotion partner is Microphones and Monsters. Microphones and Monsters is a Cthulhu D&D actual play with a balance of horror, mystery, and comedy. Our story begins in a 1920s Magitech noir setting. We follow the story of Alistair. That power is very much something that I need, and I don't want that to stop. Victor. I don't think I want to help you. And Julian. It's burning. What happened here can't see the light of day. As they come face to face with Eldritch Horrors. (laughs) I don't think you could ever stop me. And try not to fall into madness. Go to microphonesandmonsters.com or listen wherever podcasts are found. All right, let's get back to the show. Yes, yeah, so before we get into the thick of things, this is for the audience with Thurbas <laughs> separated by his own will, sprinting off into the forest. We are in a split party scenario. So rather than we do a thing with Thurbash, then we cut away to the rest of the party, this arc is going to be featuring some guests, and one of which is here today. You want to introduce yourself? Hello. 
we'll be having a guest. And those of you with keen ears might recognize the voice of the wonderful man that plays Riley on The Gilded Lily. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. I have a different voice. <laughs> yeah, you want to maybe tell us a little bit about your character as spoiler-free as we can keep it? Well, my guy is named Hamlin, halfling, and that's all you really need to know at this point. Mm. What class is he? Paladin. Paladin, what, what? okay. I smack things. So a halfling paladin will be joining Thurbash on his excursion. How he comes in? Well, let's get started so we can find out. Thurbash, can I get an initiative roll? Oh, yeah, you can. Uh, well, we're starting this session off great because I rolled a one. Oof, not great for you. So it, it's a crit fail on initiative. I am moving slower than molasses. And Hamlin, can you roll one as well? Ooh. Oh, yes. 24. Okay, so you are not part of this encounter just yet. I will cue you in. Thurbash, our story resumes right where it left off. You have sprinted away from the party and kind of weaved your way into the woods, trying to get in some direction closer to the river. Somehow you got turned about, and in doing so, you found yourself in a very, very small clearing with this strange white deer that you've seen before. Now, this deer regarded you, looked you up and down, and its gaze paused for a brief moment on your torso where you know that kind of gnarled root has dug itself into the flesh of your side, which is from the pact you made with your patron. And this creature responded with some kind of awareness to that by charging you immediately. And correct me if I'm wrong, did it already attack you? I believe we finished the session last time with it doing a charge, yes. Okay, so it, it was charging at you. Yeah, like mid-attack. So I will roll that to see if it hits. What's your AC? My AC is 12. Ooh, that's not good. I rolled a natural 20. Oh, that's really not good. Ooh, you take 21 damage. Oh, ah. Yikes. As this deer sprints forward and with its head and these kind of antlers covered in spider webs, this wide rack sitting upon its forehead hits you hard and you kind of tumble backwards and slam into a tree as you take 21 bludgeoning damage. What do you do? Do I have enough space between me and him? Or me and the deer? I shouldn't gender the deer yet because I don't know. I will say you got pushed back 20 feet from the head because it was so much damage. All right. I will summon my packed weapon as the form of a great axe. 1d12 slashing. It's a heavy two-handed weapon. Okay, so it, it appears in your hands. What does it look like? Like the similar times that we've seen the pack weapons form before, it vine whips out of my hand, and at the very tip, instead of like the lance port that we saw where it looked like a thorn, we now see a series of like branches kind of forming the head of a great axe. Ooh, so it's like sculpted. Yeah. Like those gardeners who like weave chairs out of it, it's sculpted into this like fine blade. I would say that the sharpened part of the axe, you can see the beginnings of the rings within the branches. Ooh, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so what do you want to do now that you have it summoned? I know that's normally an action to summon your weapon, but I'll give it to you as a bonus because I'm pretty sure if I don't, you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> so I will, no, you can, you can make me take an action because if you look at my character sheet, I have a specific type of warlock 
evocation that allows me to attack technically twice if I take an action on my turn with the weapon. So we'll use one action as the summoning and one action as an attack. Okay, I like that. That seems fair. And so he's 20 feet away from me? Yep. I will take the required amount of steps forward to get within range. Mm -hmm. And then I will take a swing at him with the great axe. Okay. So it is a great axe. I think it's strength. So it's a plus five to hit. Oh my goodness. That is a 12 to hit. Ooh. You tell me why this axe isn't strong enough to cut into the flesh of this creature. Like you impact. So Thurbash starts from a position about 20 feet away. He takes a step forward to get to close the distance, brings the axe from behind him, attempting to swing down, but he's unused to the weight of the axe. Even though he's Ooh. proficient, this is the first time he's using this particular form. And so he's proficient enough to hit the deer, but it glances off of like a shoulder blade of the deer rather than actually taking a bite and sinking in. And as you chip away, you see tufts of fur kind of pop off. And what's your passive perception? Uh, 11. 11. With that, you notice that as the fur floats off into the air, you see that, how do I put it? Mixed in with the fur looks like leaf matter. Like you cut through leaves. It's strange. It's very, very strange. Because, you know, you'd cut into a deer, you'd expect meat, but you didn't get that. Is that all you'd like to do with your turn? If I have the ability to, could I use knowledge nature to try and figure out what's going on? Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay. Uh, that is a 19. It's a 16 roll with a plus three. Okay, so with that, when you swing into this creature, as the axe cuts through the air, you get hit with a scent that like feels alien considering the place you're in. This forest is very dark. The canopy above you is dense and the spider webs are thick, and it's all dark. But when you cut into the fur of this creature, not dealing it any damage, you get hit with a whiff. It reminds you of morning dew and like a fresh flowers bloom in the morning. This thing is definitely not a natural beer. There's something supernatural about it, for sure. Okay, well, that's my turn. With that, what will it do? I would like you to roll me a constitution saving throw. Great. Uh, let's see. That is a 14. It's 11 plus three. You just passed. So this creature looks towards you and after the axe globe glances off of its hide, it looks you dead in the eyes. And with this kind of like milky white stare that it has, you can see it takes its hoof and digs it into the ground and you can see the soil around it curling up as it pulls the soil away like it's nothing and it slams its other hoof on the ground and lets out a And when it does, you hear the sounds of snapping branches and roiling plant life. As you look from all around you, plants are just kind of coming up from around the ground and trying to wrap around you to restrain you. How do you get out of it? Because you passed your save. I would say that Thurbash notices ever so slightly before the plants are able to grab him and he uses kind of like doing <laughs> kind of like doing a waltz he grabs the great axe with both hands but as though it's like a broomstick partner in front of him and he spins out of it oh so as you spin the head of this axe cuts into the plant life beneath you and it, it's enough to wriggle you free and as the axe blade cuts through it you can see the very tip of the rings of the kind of head of the axe that you describe like the rings of a tree, they're glowing with a faint like cyan violet flame. 
very, very subtle. You've seen this before. You've seen it on your body. You've seen it when you cleanse the tree back in the white leaf wood. And it starts to burn away the plant life as you're stepping away. And as you do, this creature just lets out a bellow and it rings your ears. It sounds like a deer screaming into the forest, but there's just something primordial about it. It shakes your eardrums. Your vision gets a little fuzzy for a second and you kind of spin out of the grasp that it was trying to wrap you up in. Would you like to be close to the creature or a little bit distanced? I would probably put myself distanced from the creature. Okay, so you're 10 feet away and it's your turn. What do you do? Thurbash is going to stare down this spectral deer and he's going to kind of like position himself in a like defensive mode and use fey presence with a focus on fright. I don't have time for this. So what kind of saving throw do I have? You to have make? to make a DC 15 wisdom saving throw. Ooh, okay, that's a very low value for me. We screwed here. I click. You can see my role in D&D Beyond. What was the DC? 15. 15. I rolled a 12. This creature is charmed by you. Frightened. Right? Frightened. Or frightened. Frightened. I can choose frightened or charm, so I choose frightened. <laughs> Ooh, so it can't use its turn to move closer. Love it. What about you frightens it right now? I would say that uh, as Thurbash kind of finishes his stance and calls out to the deer, you see just a small geyser of this cyan blue flame kind of puff out for a second and then kind of calm back down. As this happens, you see it take a, a step backwards. And is that the end of your turn? Does that take up your action? That is my action. You have movement yeah, as no, well. Yeah, that is my action. I'll move my full distance away from him with my back away from him. So me facing towards him, but like slowly backing away. So you back away and you, at this point, as you're walking back, you get about 40 feet away from it and you feel your back press against a tree because you've kind of reached the edge of this little clearing space. And is that the end of yeah, your turn? Yeah, it is the end of my turn. As this is happening, Hamlin, you're not far away in the woods. Tell me, what were you doing outside so late at night in this kind of infested, corrupted forest that landed you in this area? Well, I was making my rounds, seeing if there was any infestations up north. So it took me about a half a day to get up there, I'm making my way back down. And, and then I hear that, I guess. Yeah, so as you're kind of making your way quietly through the forest, dodging the kind of awful, awful creatures that have kind of taken residence in this forest, a place that you currently call home for some odd reason, you hear the familiar bellow of a creature that you know that you kind of refer to as the Bramble Geist. That's a sick ass name. I love that name. What do you do? You're close enough to hear it. <laughs> All right. I know something's up. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna rush towards it. I'm just gonna run towards it. Okay, can you roll me a perception check, I think, just to kind of get like a general direction and distance. Boop, boop, a 13. 13, so you know that where you heard the bellow, it's a little bit southeast of where you currently are. You were kind of on your way back from the river, which you know is your normal kind of stomping grounds here to make sure no one goes on the trails but you hear it southeast of you, probably about 100 feet, maybe at that distance. You're very familiar with this forest, so being able to like almost echolocate is almost second nature to you. Right, like I said, just making a beeline right towards it. Okay, what's your movement? 25. Oof, okay, so you get 50 feet, about halfway there. As you approach, with your perception, you can see the Bramblegeist in the middle of a clearing and you can see these kind of faint bursts of violet cyan light 
something that you are all too familiar with. But with that being said, you're about 50 feet away. What would you like to do? Disregarding everything, just rushing right out to see what's going on. This is my job. Okay, so with using your action to kind of get the dash all the way up there, you're still about 50 feet away. With that, we'll go to the Geist's turn. Thurbash, this creature is looking towards you, and you can see that its body is like, it's not as aggressive as it was a moment ago. It's hesitating. But even in that hesitation, you can see something in its gaze that is just fury. And it looks to you again, and this time stamps both hooves on the ground. I need another constitution okay. saving throw. <laughs> That is a 17, a 14 plus 3. So at this time, you know what's coming. You can hear the forest beginning to clench and try and wrap itself around the place you stand. How do you get out of this one? If I know that the branches or vines are coming from the floor below me, what I'll do is I'll use the great axe as a point of leverage, push myself up off the ground, and then push myself off the tree behind me so that I can kind of like leap over the point where the branches are going to try and grab. Ooh, love it. Yeah, so you kind of use the ax to almost pole vault yourself away. And you quickly go over it as the vines and weird bending, cracking twigs and branches wrap around where the tree was and start to engulf it. And behind you, you hear what sounds like fire. And as you look over your shoulder to see this, you see inside the bark of this tree by the way, you didn't notice it at first, but the tree that you bumped into, its trunk is black. Just the wood, stark black, with a bit of kind of a weird shine in the night. But in between all the cracks of the bark, you see that familiar cyan violet flame burning out and burning away this plant life before it can even wrap around the tree. And as it happens again, you hear this Bramblegeist bellow. And for a moment, it goes down on one knee and is breathing heavy. And it stands up and just puffs at you again. What do you do? Hmm. Sure. I'm going to take it as a challenge and I'm going to move the distance required to enclose the distance between us and make two attacks with my packed weapon mm -hmm. against him. Oof. Okay. Give All me right, some attack. So first attack is a 12. Same thing. You swing and this creature is ready for you. It rears up and you just catch fur again. And again, you're hit with that like warm, comforting scent of like a fresh morning in bloom. Second attack. Oh, it's a 10. With the 10, you swing. And as this creature's coming down, its hooves push down on the ax and slam it into the ground. And you just in time are able to slip it out and pull it backwards. Anything else you'd like to do with your turn? Uh, no, that's it. Amlin, you're up. You're about 50 feet away. Okay, I'm 50 feet. Do I see it? Do I see um, what's going on? I think you can see them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Describe what Thurbash looks like right now. So Thurbash would probably be, he's wearing his common garb. So he's wearing like this dark green and uh, light gray kind of garb. You can see that he is ragged. Uh, some of his clothing is kind of torn after being like kind of hit multiple times. <laughs> he doesn't look great. He's got like blood kind of leaking out of the corner of his mouth and he looks a little bit haggard, but he's like hunched over with this giant kind of wooden based great ax in a defensive position. Yeah, so Hamlet, All right, I'm going to use 20 feet of movement to get closer. Then I'm going to use Misty Step to teleport 30 feet. You said they're 50, right? Yeah, you'd be able to make it right into the middle of the combat if you'd like. Yeah, I want to get right in between them. Okay, what does it look like as you appear in thin air in front of Thurbash, who had no idea there was another person here? 
out of nowhere, fog starts to condense right in between them. And then it just flashes and expels outward. And then I appear. Kind of like a Terminator, except I'm clothed. <laughs> kind of like that. And you're not Arnold. I, I will not speak like Arnold, no. <laughs> yeah, so you appear in thin air. That's with your bonus action and your movement. You still have an action if you'd like to use it. Is Missy Step a bonus action? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Well, with that, I'm going to... Do I do I know if the Bramblegeist is a fae? Or what type of creature it is, I guess? Okay, so I'm going to message you something because I don't want Third Bash's player to hear this. <laughs> okay. Got it. Well, Hamlin's going to talk to the Bramble Ghost, and he's going to say, Go on, get out of here. I've, I've got this. This one's mine. He's going to look at Thurbash, and he's going to be like, Stop. We're not here to harm you, or I'm not here to harm you. Roll me a persuasion check. I would normally say with disadvantage, but this situation is allowing you to go with a normal roll. Uh, that, that's a natural one. Oh, no. For a five. You say this. And the creature just stamps both its hooves into the ground and bellows and runs past you towards Thurbash. Since start of its turn, it's going to roll an attack. Oh, Thurbash, as it charges forward, this creature kind of clips this halfling whom you've never met before. And the halfling kind of rolls in place as the beast run towards you. How do you dodge this oncoming charge? I think the way that Thurbash would dodge is if he notices that the action's coming close enough, he'll do a jump, like a five foot jump to the side with his like great axe out in front of him as like kind of like a, a blockade or whatever, and then try and roll back into a standing position. Oh yeah, so that's exactly what happens. As it charges you, you can feel its antlers collide with the axe. And again, that axe, the moment this creature touches it, it flares up with that flame that you're for some reason, the, your packed weapon is reacting very violently to the situation, when normally it's not very reactive at all. And this creature stumbles off and lets out another kind of pained bellow. As when it runs past you, if it kind of tumbles in the ground and it's about 10 feet away from you as it's standing up again. Its physical form doesn't look damaged at all, but it looks tired, which is very weird. What do you do? Thurbash is getting sick of this. <laughs> <laughs> He'll turn to the the uh, halfling and he says, I don't care if you're not here to hurt me. This one is obviously here to do exactly that. And then he's going to release one hand off the great axe and let it kind of like come to a stand stop and then try and coalesce some of the energy and Eldritch Blast at the deer now that he has distance. Ooh, okay. Eldritch Blast. Am I within five feet of this? Mm -hmm. Could I use protection you're not within five feet of the target darn okay sorry oh that's a 19 to hit that hits for sure wait no that is a two two Good bit RP. of damage how much damage two <laughs> nice oh thank god not a lot yeah, oh sorry nine because it's the plus seven right because it's plus seven to oh, hit. Yeah. oh no 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 sorry that's only plus seven to hit i'm wrong so yeah, you you Ignore raise that. up your hand for the first one. How many Eldritch Blasts do you have right now at your level? I have two. Okay, so the first one, you kind of raise your hand and fire off a familiar Eldritch Blast and you watch one of the antlers crack and a piece breaks off. What do you do? Uh, round two, if I can. I believe I yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a 18 to hit. 18 to hit, definitely hits. I'll tell you its armor class is 15. I rolled a four for damage. No. Nice. Four more damage. Where do you want to hit it? 
Uh, so the first one will hit its its antler, and as it kind of like reels back from the blow, I'll aim for the most visible part of its neck uh, on the opposite side. Okay, yeah, so as you aim for the neck and you hit with an Eldritch Blast, you watch the fur explode away to reveal fresh plant life, vibrant and green and healthy. And as it hits this creature, you throw it off balance a little bit. And it's standing there, breathing heavy. Anything else you'd like to do with your turn? I know you have a bonus action still. I don't have anything to use for the bonus action, but I will move as much distance as I can away from both the halfling and the deer. Okay. Amlon, would you like to do anything as a reaction? No, I want them to get apart. Okay. Yeah, so you would probably move down kind of the, to the other edge of the clearing. And so it's like the three of you are in a triangle. And as you take a step away and back off, Hamlin, what do you do? I let him through and I'll speak once more and say, please leave. I will deal with this one. Roll me a persuasion check. I will say with disadvantage, but... If you'd like to make some kind of sacrifice in this persuasion check, I'll give you advantage. That sacrifice can be hit points, spell slot, something to prove that you're worth your word in this situation. How close am I? It's about... Can I touch it? If you moved closer, you could. You're about 10 feet away. Okay, I'd do that. And as I say that, I will use a little bit of my lay on hands. Oh, how much? I will... I'll use 10. Oh, that's more than enough. Okay. So that'll give you advantage on your persuasion check. Okay. Da, da, da. Persuasion. That's a lot better than before. Ooh, 21. Oh my god. 21. <laughs> As you say this, you watch the fur patch back over the wound where you saw like exposed, fresh, healthy plant life. And it looks looks between you and Thurbash and you and Thurbash and bows its head lower than you'd expect. Is that all you'd like to do with your turn? Yeah. If Thurbash is running away, I, I won't do anything. Okay. The creature takes a step back away from Thurbash towards the, tr the, the tree life. And Thurbash, in your mind, you hear a voice. You are not welcome here, servant of the corruption. And the deer is looking at you. Is it a familiar voice? Do I know this voice? No, but as this voice, you're kind of looking around and you see that the deer is looking directly at you. Okay. You, you just, okay. <laughs> well, oh, no, no. If you want me to say something in response, I totally can. Yeah, you can, you was, can. Okay. Um, this is the end of its turn, so. You're obviously mistaken. I mean no harm to you or your compatriot. I simply am passing through. I'm tired of dealing with you. Ooh. Roll me a d20. That is a six. Wow. So... The little mini game I was having happen here was you roll a dice and I roll a dice and I see how close our numbers get. If they're within like five, something cool will happen. I rolled a seven. <laughs> As you say, what was it? I'm done with this. I'm done with you. Yo, that phrasing, you pick the perfect phrasing. You feel that wound on your side getting warm. What do you do? I'm going to take my packed weapon. I'm going to kind of hike it up on my shoulder, and I'm just gonna turn about face and start walking in that direction. I'm tired of dealing with people right now. I just need to get out of the forest. Oh, so you're walking away from the scenario? I'm just walking away. <laughs> As you walk away, you feel the wound on your side getting warmer and warmer the further away you get. 
so much that it's becoming uncomfortable. All right, with that information, I'll turn back around, still with the ax on my shoulder, take a good hard look, and just take a, a moment to think. And if the heat continues, Yep, it remains. Thurbash is going to take that as a sign, and he's going to bring up his hands again, and he's going to cast Ray of Frost at the deer. As this happens, you feel the warmth in that wound pulse, and you feel a power flowing up your arm towards the spell. Do you accept it? Yeah. Ooh, what's your spell save DC? Uh, spell save DC is 15. Ooh, 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 spicy. I rolled a zero. Oh. oh. It's not an attack roll? It is and it isn't. So Thurbash, roll okay. me an attack roll. All right. As well. Because I was going to say, can I use my protection now since I think I'm within five? Yes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That imposes disadvantage. Let me roll. Oh, okay. So I should wait till the protection goes through because I'll have disadvantage on this roll. Yeah, okay. just roll me um, an attack roll. Oh, wow. With disadvantage, it's a three. If I didn't have disadvantage, it's a natural yes. 20. So the frost hits Hammond. What are you using to cause the protection? Is it like a shield, I guess? Yeah, I got a shield. Okay, so you raise up your shield yep. and you feel an impact as the frost hits you. You're standing between you and the beast and Thurbash. As this power pulses through your arm, you feel like a boom, boom. Like your heart, you suddenly feel your heartbeat very strong and your vision goes white and you're back in that clearing again from where this all started. You look around you and you can see the great tree that you serve hundreds of feet tall and above it, a sky full of dots with bright lights with holes in the middle. From the tips of this tree, you see a light start to form from its widest branches and it pulls down very quickly towards you and, and the light starts to overwhelm you. How many hit points do you have left? 14. Ooh, I'm gonna roll a, some dice here. Ooh, you will take nine hit points of damage. <laughs> I, but uh, yeah. as this happens, you feel that wound in your side. Feels like it's digging in, and you hear like the sound of wood cracking, and your arm glows with the same light, and it detonates from your hand. And for a second, you're blinded. And Hamlin, from him, you see this violet and cyan light burst out in almost like a web as it cascades through the forest and around you. You get hit with the ray of frost, but the bramble geist gets hit by something else. You hear it behind you, Hamlin, bellowing out. And its hooves are digging into the soil and you look behind you as these blackened, gnarled branches are grabbing onto it and sinking it down into the dirt like it's water. And this creature is very quickly submerged and then the air is left with just a faint smell of honeysuckle. Oh. And the creature's gone. And Thurabash, your vision is white, your ears are ringing, and you hear the familiar voice of your patron. The forest must be cleansed. What do you do? I uh, take a deep breath and try and recollect myself, making sure that I can see and I can hear again. And if that is the case, I'll take my great axe, I'll put it between both hands, and I'll begin taking steps forward. Your vision comes back, your ears stop ringing, and that happens at the exact moment that you firm your grip on the axe. And ahead of you, the beast is just gone. If either of you would like to roll an arcana check, you might be able to determine what just happened. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. 
five. Oof. Natural 20. You're not sure how, Thurbash, how you know this, but you know that your patron just sent this creature away somewhere, somewhere far away where it couldn't get to you. It critically failed a saving throw on a banishment spell (laughs) is what happened. Oh, that's fun. I'm gonna keep walking forward, just towards who? Towards towards Hamlin. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> just because the deer is gone doesn't mean Hamlin's still not considered a threat. He said that yeah, sure. Oh. He said that he wasn't going to attack me, but he's obviously helping my enemy. Oh, spicy, Hamlin! You see Thurbash take a couple steps towards you. It's your turn. What did you do? And then I will cast Nature's Wrath. What is that? I don't even know what that is. It's a channel divinity. Ooh. Okay, so read off what it does. I don't know what it does. So, nature's wrath. As an action, you can cause spectral vines to spring up and reach for a creature within 10 feet of you. So I guess I would wait until he gets within 10 feet. That I can see. The creature must succeed a DC saving throw of a strength or dex of 15 or be restrained. It can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns. Ooh, roll me a saving throw, Thurbash. Yep. What's the save? No, uh, uh, 15. Strength or uh, dex. Strength okay. or dex. We're going to go strength. Yeah, your choice. That, oh, man. It's a crit fail. Ooh. Yes. Maybe it's just that you're winded from that extra surge, because that wound on your side still feels hot. Really, really hot. And you try and quickly maybe dodge out of the way. And... Hannah, what does this nature's wrath look like? Just like whitish vines start to just pop up and grab his arms, wrap around his arms, his neck, his legs, his torso, anything to just stop him in his tracks. Yeah, so Thurbash, as this is wrapping around you, you said they were whitish? Yeah. They're wrapping around you and constricting you and holding you in place, and you can smell that same scent that you got when you clipped the Bramblegeist. You are restrained. Did that take an action, Hamlin? Yes. Yes, okay. Is there anything you'd like to do with your bonus? I just would like to ask again, what did you do? Bring it back. I I would like to note that I don't have my weapon out at the moment. It's like a stern talking to. Quick question, before Thurbash responds, what is Hamlin wearing right now? Hamlin is wearing a super, super, well, not dirty, I guess, but uh, really worn chainmail. Okay. And his left arm is covered in bandages, and on the left arm as well, that's where his shield would be. Okay. Outfit-wise, underneath, is he wearing the type of clothes that he would have had in his previous life experience? Yes. And if you want to know what he looks like, he's small, his eyes are like a darker, foresty green, very dirty blonde hair with pretty tanned skin. So... As he says this to you, Thurbash, with your passive perception, I'll give you this straight off the bat. Okay. He's wearing clothing of the Thousand Branches. Okay. Hmm. All right. Okay. It's your turn. Thurbash is going to attempt to struggle against those strengths, and seeing that he has, like, not enough movement to really break free, he's going to unsummon the Pact Weapon, and he'll say, I did what needed to be done. I did what was asked. And then I'm going to attempt to cast uh, Chill Touch uh, on him with disadvantage because I am restrained. Yes. 
so I will make a ranged spell attack with disadvantage. The first one is a 16 plus 7, so that is a 23 to hit. Yeah, Hamlin, I'm pretty and sure that is. the second one is an 11 plus 7, so that's an 18 to hit. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure that hits. My armor is 18. So, 2d8. That, oh, it's a 12 necrotic damage as a, a vine of a black bark uh, kind of reaches out from nowhere and kind of grasps around Hamlin's arm. Yeah, so it grasps up and deals, well, how much necrotic damage? 12. 12. It's, it's 2d8 necrotic. So Damn. I rolled an 8 and a 4. Yeah, Hamlin, so this stings you. What do you do? I, I, just, I just want us <laughs> to be friends. I will. I would say, too, at this point, you recognize the, the clothing that Thurbash is wearing. Well, now I'm going to grab a weapon, and now I'm going to attack him. Just to try and okay. knock him out. You can use the blunt side if you want, so you're not, like, cutting into him. Roll me sure, an attack. Yeah. I guess I'll just click this. Oh, 13. That hits. You also have Damn. advantage, because I'm restrained. Really? Oh, sweet. So... Ooh. Oh. You can roll it if you want. If you want to crit That's him. Even Jesus. better. That's 19 anyway. 19. Yeah. Uh, so roll some damage. I'll just roll. That is a okay. nine. Uh, I am at zero. Okay. I was just knocking him out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so Thurbash, as he approaches, you see him p- pull off of, where would you keep the, the hand axe? It would just be on my right side, his main hand. As he takes the weapon out, he's like, had to. It was over. And then he knocks him out. Bonk. And Thurbash, the last thing you see is the handle of a, a hand axe c- coming towards your face. And the handle looks like it's carved from an antler as it boom, and your vision goes black. Hey, everybody. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Thurbash and Hamlin, man, they really knocked this one out of the park. As we mentioned in a previous episode, Hamlin is played by Sundragon, who also plays Riley, with a W, on the Gilded Lily. He'll be guesting with us throughout this arc, and we'll be traveling with Thurbash on his journey, as we'll call it. Next week, we're taking a break from the Gilded Lily with an interview episode with Scruff, Red's player. We take some time to decompress after his departure from the crew. Then we build a cool magic item that our pirates will run into later in the show. Then, with episode 43, we will return to our small town adventurers at the tail end of their Two Truths and a Lie game, kicking off our first ever split party arc. Now, most DMs hate running these kinds of things, but honestly, I thrive in it. This arc has surprised me in so many beautiful ways, and I can't wait for you to see what's in store. Our release days have moved to Mondays. But you can still catch us on our usual platforms. You know, any podcatcher you have that's probably free. Our songs and ambient music for this episode are features from Kevin McLeod and Sword Coast Soundscape, which you can find in our episode description and on their respective Bandcamp pages. We're also using tracks from Dark Fantasy Studios to support the narrative whenever we can. Stay safe and see you soon.
Um, I need to use the restroom really quick. All right. The um, Bramblegeist is now taking a leak. (laughs) (laughs) Right on you. Right on you. That's why you're defensive right now. You're like, ah. Oh, my God. (laughs) All this fighting is getting it all riled up. (laughs) Uh, That's what happens when deers get scared. Oh, yeah. They they piss. They empty the bladder, and then they Mm -hmm. either run or they charge. Something you don't Just want to deal with. Leaving a trail. Uh, that's nasty. <laughs> Close your mouth. And can you imagine it's a bramble guy, so it's probably like just fetid, right? It's not uh... it I would assume you know those like uh those uh what is it, like vodka or like wine that's like thick looking and it's glittery? Oh it's, yeah. That's 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 oh. the piss that's coming. Third bash. Close hey. your mouth. Sorry about that. No oh, we weren't talking about anything inappropriate. It's fine. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, 